Welcome in it's the Lions Den. I'm Tom Hackett. That's Spencer the Geezer Gov Warn. <laughs> Alright, mate. There you go, mate. You're right, you're right. Oh you're yeah, right. I'm flying, mate. You, you want chum? You want chum? I'll give it to you. Alright, um What a terrible intro. Terrible start to the uh, podcast. Yeah. Welcome into Lions Den. Thanks, Benno. That's Spencer Warren, I'm Tom Hackett. We've got a lot to talk about. And we really do. We have a lot. Yeah. Um, Off season, last one for a little while, unless we have some like major news, right, which right. we're going to get into, you know, if, if it happens. I think there will be news. Com- well, I do. I think there will be news coming down sooner rather than later. It's just a guess. Don't have any insights, but uh, just a sneaky suspicion. There's a lot that needs to happen over the off mm-hmm. season, which we'll go into over the course of this pod. Um, RSL lost. It was poor on the road up there at the clink. Bloody good team, that Seattle, though. They, they really are very good. Well, they were very good. Yes, you're right. And uh, they proved that against RSL. Uh, rumours surrounding Jason Kreiss. Uh, that's also worth a conversation. The player exit interviews uh, took place on Monday of this week. So we'll talk about uh, some comments from a number of individuals. Albert Ruznak had some words to say on what he would like to see happen this off-season, mm-hmm. going into the 2020 season. Some fascinating insight there. And I think it's it's always fun to to kind of go through the roster, right? Because there there are going to be changes oh, 100%. to the roster. There's a number of guys retiring, for crying out loud. So that's money that uh, you can pocket and, and potentially make a few purchases with. Um, but again, only time will tell. We'll, we'll walk through the roster and... Uh, Share our opinion on uh, on where we think certain players will be come 2020. But first, mm-hmm. Spenno, yeah. we need to talk about the disappointing outcome up there in the clink in, uh, in Seattle. You were at Beer Bar. Just for pregame, but for yeah, pre-game. and it was buzzing again. It wasn't wasn't quite as packed. There was there was a ton of watch parties going on, so it wasn't like last year when we were down there with with Danny and a few other people. But it was still still a really good atmosphere. But the boys from the RSL show were there. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. How were they? Were they all right? They were. They were actually um, drinking sensibly. And, uh, you know, so uh, wasn't, didn't, didn't get didn't, as messy. Didn't know they had them in them. Had that in them. They, they can be disciplined. Good. I think so. Well. No, I'm going to say they are. They're pretty disciplined. Yeah, no, they're all right. Um, that's good. So beer bell was fun. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. You know, I said it was buzzing. It was. It was humming with with plenty of people. Didn't get any brats this time around. I was oh. very disappointed. The brats, they'll get you going. They'll the get brats? the old stomach churning. Oh yeah, the trees are one. Brats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, yeah, but it was on. sound. It was sound. It was a, it was a good atmosphere down there. It was building up nicely, and then uh, unfortunately, I had to leave and and do some other things back at the uh, studio. Studio, but um. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think beer bar is is a great hub to watch uh, sports, soccer in general. But um, yeah, I said it, it filled up nicely. So uh, back to the game. Yes, I um I was intrigued. I was obviously watching from the comfort of my couch. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was a midweek game, so I had work the next day. Had to be sensible. And, I know, and I, I invited you down, and it took you about until about midnight to respond to my uh, my text. I had a lot going on that night. I know. Yeah, I think it was when I sent the text or not. I got home at eight oh four, and like that was two minutes into the game. So oh my I, I missed like all the pregame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, carry on. So anyway, um, I'm not angry or bitter. But no, I know. Just, uh, just suck it up. Now, yeah. um, right. Where was I? Oh, yes. Yeah, so Stu, what's it? Who's the guy on the course? Stu, uh, Stu Holden yes. and um, or the other 
It, well, it was Stu. Stu was talking about how in the first half he thought RSL were actually the more dominant team, yet they, they didn't have any chances. And I just don't know if I agreed with that. No, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, RS, I think Seattle were quite happy to give RSL possession because you look at the first and the second half, there wasn't really a difference between possession stats. Seattle were more than happy for RSL just to play around with it in midfield across their, their own back line. They they came and and they counterattacked uh, right. and 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 that's part of the reason why Justin Glad was brought in was is his uh, recovery speed, um, but um, you know uh, Brian Schmetzer was was uh, it sounded like from from all reports was really quite disappointed in his uh, his uh, Seattle lads uh, first half and um, and they certainly gave him a response in in the second half so yeah I think um, I I. I I don't usually agree with Stu Holden anyway. He's a nice enough broadcaster, but uh, I just don't think well, he I don't was know where on. he was coming from. No, no, do I. I think but he was just trying to be nice. There was not a single chance that RSL had in the first 45 minutes. I will say they had passages of play where they were dominant on the ball, where they, they had pinned Seattle back deep into their own territory and were, were, were pinning the ball around the... Uh, you know, 30-odd yards out from goal, which really doesn't mean anything, right? Because it's not until you you start making making a few one-twos or, or, or some moves up, up closer to the goal where you actually have a realistic chance of scoring 30, 40 yards out when you're pinning it around from right back to left back to centre midfield. It's, it doesn't do anything for you. It just shows that you, you're in control of the game. I mean, that's really the only... But when you can't do anything with it, it's pointless. And that's what RSL... That's the problem, in my opinion, anyway. They, they found themselves in, I think, at times, the midfield was okay for RSL. But then they went into the attacking third, and they, there was no space, and there was no, there was no movement that was being generated. And that's where you miss a proper striker. You know, if, if you're going to do that, obviously there needs to be plenty of movement. No disrespect to Demir Krylak. That's not his role. But he's probably going to agree with you anyway, Demir. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And it's not a slight on Demir anyway. I no. mean, Demir, it's not his strongest position. However, he's come up with some big goals playing at that number nine. Great combination the last couple of games, well, before this one, with, with uh, Corey Baird to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but that was, it was time, it was time. You know, we, we saw the difference against uh, Portland when Joao Plata and Sam Johnson um, came on. I can understand why Freddie did what he did, being a little bit cautious. Um, job on the line, an opportunity there, and trying to keep things tight up at CenturyLink Field against a very good Seattle Sounders team. Uh, for the most part, apart from a couple of chances that Nicky uh, had to save in the first half, they did an okay job. First half was okay. It was okay. But the second half, Deplorable. Seattle Seattle went into another gear. Now, this is another point completely, and we can have an entire podcast about this, an episode about this. When you look at who's going to be in the final, it's going to, I think it's the same four teams the last four or five years. And they, are, and they are the ones that are the biggest spenders. Atlanta. Toronto, I think, has a bigger wage bill. Toronto have done well to make it this far, but this you, season. But it's the same thing. It's There's no parity in, in Major League Soccer. I don't give a toss about your cap. Right. Everybody's got the same cap. But if you can attract players that are playing, that are paying, you know, you look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you look at Carlos Vela. It's hard, though, in this market. Absolutely. It's not easy. But right but it's, now... But, I, but there's, but there's going to be... There's, there is no, no parity. I mean, no, if you're I a small understand. market team 
um, it's going to be the same teams that are going to that are willing to spend properly and bring in properly good players, which those teams have done. You look at the teams, and you can talk crap on on uh, Toronto about Josie Altidore and and Michael Bradley all day, earning five six million a year. But at the same time, they've been in a couple of MLS cups. They've had one. Right. They're in the semifinals again, or in the final of the Eastern Conference. So there's there's plenty. There's also there's also proof in the pudding as well as what I'm trying to say, Tom. I think it was a long way of saying no, there's proof. I understand. You spend I, money. Uh, RSL aren't the same. I understand that, and I get that. And we've got to be wiser of how we spend the money. And I don't think RSL have been wise. And this is no slight on Craig Weibel either. You have to have near on a hundred percent record when you are a small market team bringing in players. You have to have a near on hundred percent record. You think he's missed on too many? There's a couple that have been missed. And if it was any other any other club or a bigger club. He'd be gone. No, you could get rid of them and bring someone else in. It's tough to... You have to take a, a certain risk. Alfredo Otunio was right. out without a club for six, eight months. Proven goal scorer. Scored plenty of goals and scoring goals you know, in the, in the second division in Spain. He had, he had issues that were deeper than... Yeah, absolutely. But, but it was a risk. And, and, and it was a miss. It was a big miss. It was a miss, and, but... At Euro the same Mobsician, time, second stint, big miss. Big miss because of the money that was involved. Financially, yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there, there are things that you can look at and say that they are, you know, that they're bad moves. But if you're trying to close that gap, sometimes you have to take a risk and, and they haven't worked out. But then you look at the ones that have worked. You look at um, um, Albert Rusnak, Demir Krylak. You look at uh, Jefferson Savarino. Sav- great players. I mean, just unreal. I mean, they're, they're, they're quality, quality players. And, okay, they didn't perform um, up in Seattle. Nobody really did, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I mean, you've been able to attract those players. Um, two of them you've been able to develop. And two of them, those 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 two players, have, have you know had eyes from Europe uh, to, to, to go over there and, and further their career again. And, you know, both are international players now as well, representing their country regularly. So that's that's also... A, a, a feather in the cap to, to RSL. So, again, we have to use that momentum, but I think there's a couple more places that are up for grabs, not only in the squad, and we'll get into that, Tom, but I think there are there's opportunities there to to be to have a risk, but be I, I think there needs to be a, a, a lot more due diligence uh, in what just, we've done in the past. I just never... I just don't necessarily understand why you would take a risk on somebody with so much money associated to that risk. Like, if you're going to take a risk on somebody, make it one that, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, financially it doesn't hurt us that much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, why wouldn't you go out, and if you're going to spend money, spend money on somebody that's kind of proven themselves. Mm -hmm. More so than Alfredo Ortuño, who had not played a game of football in eight months before coming over here, or Yurimov Sissian, who's like thir- who was like 32 or whatever, when he came back for his second stint. Like, go out and find somebody that's like in their peak, 25, that's up and coming. Yeah, and easier said than done. It really is. Easier I mean, said you, than done. Because you look at uh, Everton Louise, comes over at 30, you know, he's just done 31, um, absolute find. I mean, it's another, it's another one that you think, oh my word, that's, that's unheard of. But we've done our due diligence, and we've brought in a really, you know, a quality player. Uh, and you, for as many as you can say that that were risks and didn't turn out and and turn out to be a bit crap, 
there are other ones that have come in and made a huge impact. Nader Monomuha, another one that, you, that you've got to talk about. Massive. You know, So there, there's so much right. I would say 80% right. And that's what I'm talking about. If you In a small market team, if you don't get it 100% right, those misses really damage you. I mean, you think about it. Really hurt. I mean, Yorimov Sissian and and, uh, Alfredo Antonio are still getting paid. I mean, it's not going against the salary cap, but they're still getting paid until the end of the end of the year. That's money coming out of Deloitte's pocket. That is, and it's good money too. It's not. This isn't like oh, he's a couple grand every couple weeks, right? Yeah, this is oh, he's solid money. Grand every two weeks. Yeah, and and and, or something like that. I don't know. It's a lot of money. uh, It leaves a bit of taste in the mouth. I mean, that's part of the reason of sports, though, right? I mean, that's that's. That happens in sports. I mean, it happens across the world, right? That, right. And but at the same about- time, yeah. again, it hurts the, It hurts a small market team. It's not something you can write off like a Toronto, like an Atlanta United that have rich owners, and it'll be like, oh, okay, whatever. Right, well, like, so, like, explain the best owners that you've ever seen in world soccer. Because I think I could do it pretty easily. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll use Liverpool as, as a... Um, as an example, I mean, before um, FSG took over, Liverpool were on brink of going bankrupt. That's how far in debt they were under uh, Jicks, uh, Hicks and Gillette that I think they own uh, some Dallas sports teams. Um, anyway, they got, the FSG got it at a steal. They got Liverpool at a steal. They own the Boston Red Sox, and, and uh, I think they have a, a racing uh, team as well. Um, but um, they they showed how that you you can close the gap commercially. You don't have to raise prices, you know, for for season ticket holders or anything right. like that. So I mean, I think they've done a really good job. I I can't say much about anyone else. I mean, you look at Tottenham, who've, who've done a really good job of not spending money, um, struggling this season. Um, but I mean, Mauricio Pochettino had a good squad, got all the way to the Champions League final regularly in Champions League football. Um, with balancing the books. And then you look at other teams, and no slight on Manchester United, spent a ton of money, run on debt um, by the Glazers. And, and I mean, since Ferguson left, I mean, it was always going to be really, really tough for, for anybody to replace him. Right. But they've they've thrown money at the problem. Instead of having a plan, it feels like they've just thrown money at it. And it, doesn't, and it hasn't worked. Um, and now rumours are that they're looking to, to finally sell the club. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I get that it's tricky, but to me, the best owners in world football, Spenner, are ones that aren't afraid to splash a little cash every now yes. and again. They also have to have money to splash a little cash, which, by the way, Deloitte has. Yes. He has the money. Money isn't a problem for him. It's just, I think what fans are getting upset with him about is where he's spending it, right? Throwing it all to the youth and, 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 the, mm-hmm. and the facilities and, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. He, the fans as expected, want money thrown at this team right now to win mm. a championship next year. They don't yeah. want to wait five, ten years. No. Nobody does. So, um, No, and, and I get that. And I, I, think, I think you're right. There's, the balance is slightly off. Yeah, I agree. And then I think where Deloitte also goes wrong is he, he, he wants to have his foot in every door. Mm. You know what I mean? And we don't need to go into details because I don't really know. But just from, from speaking to people around the club, like he's... He wants to know everything that's going on within those those confines of the facility and and where the money's being spent and who they what players they're looking at and what are the tactics for this upcoming week and it's like it's like mm. man just back out and when when now Elliot Elliot Fall the interim GM when he approaches you with hey we've got this really talented guy that wants to come to our club and and we've done enough homework and research and I'm telling you right now if you could give us X amount of money. Just give them X amount of money and go away. 
Like, they're yeah. the best owners in world football. Traditionally, anyway. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously there's a budget, uh, and you've got to stick within the budget. Sometimes you have to, when there's an opportunity to sign a certain player, um, when there's a huge need, um, then, you know, you, you can go back to the drawing board. But at the same time, um, until the club is bringing in a good amount of money, and I'm talking about sponsorship, not not I'm not talking about fans paying more money for, for season tickets or, or single-game tickets. That is not it, I think. To be honest with you, they should be reducing prices. Ah, you're just about to say. And and you look at the the, the model that is run in Germany, uh, the Bundesliga. I mean, you can get, I think you can get a season ticket to Bayern Munich for like 250 euros for the season. That's nothing. That's nothing. Like right? okay, so season tickets are uh, that's a- because they put it all on sponsorship. They'll make the money up, and they 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 require a certain amount of money from their sponsorship to make up that gap. Like season tickets. And the conversation that could take place could go on for a very long time, in my opinion. That is. And that's and again, I'm not having a pop at, at Deloitte Henson. He's just doing what everybody else does around the league, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, but we're, start, we're different we, than we, we, We've got to start people. thinking outside the box a little bit. We've had to do that. And again, you look at the, the academy and the fruits that we're getting from the academy. Now, if you start selling those players, you start selling a Brooks Lennon, or, and I'm not saying he's going anywhere, or a Bofo Salcedo or a Corey Baird, and you're producing real quality. And, and Corey Baird is now a full international. There's no other way to, to describe it. I mean, that's what he is now. He plays for the U.S. men's national team. Always in the squad. Always, you know, has been for the, for the last 10, 11 months. He missed out but on if, the Gold Cup, but besides that. But if, that, you, if you sell him, you're looking at solid money right. that coming back into the club, which is part of it. You know, MLS and, 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 and or RSL is always going to have to, to feed its coffers, put money into the coffers by selling talent. And it's, it's the way it's got to be. I don't think RSL, in our lifetime, Spenno, will ever be a club that attracts stars like Carlos Vela, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. No. I do, it, it, it's no. not. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. It really isn't that bad of a thing. Although it would be nice to see the big, uh, the big lion himself in an RSL kit playing at Rio Tinto Stadium, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They're, they're going to be a club that thrives on the academy. So I understand yeah. wholeheartedly why and, and where Deloy Hansen's coming from. I get, I get that side of it. But I also think you, you can bring in some pretty talented players. You can. And we've already proved it. You look like at Albert Rusnak is really yeah, good. Jefferson Savarino is on what, fourth, yep. fifty a year? RSL's going to make a boatload on Jefferson Savarino. And that, and whenever you, they sell him, because they're going to sell him. When you look at the players that have been produced, okay, taking outside of um, mostly Manchester City, mostly Manchester United, who are able to afford ready made, world class stars. You look at Arsenal back in the day under Wenger, um, you look at Tottenham now, you look at Liverpool now. Um, uh, you can also uh, you may, you can even put Chelsea into the, the the conversation because of their transfer ban and the young players that they have right now. But back in the day under Mourinho, he was buying ready-made quality players. But Liverpool have always been will buy promising and will make him into a star. Same as Tottenham will buy promising. Gareth Bale springs to mind. Harry Kane springs to mind. Will make him into a star. Sell them for for lots of money. Harry Kane probably. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays at Tottenham his, his entire career, but that's in the future. But that is what the philosophy is. It's to buy promising, build it up, make it into world class, and then when the big boys come, or the big boys, I mean by money spenders, right, right. come along, 
the LAs of the world. You you sell them to to uh, to quality, and if that's LAFC, LA Galaxy, Atlanta, uh, Seattle, uh, Toronto, Europe, so so be it. So wherever. be it. You sell them on. You make your money. Get the money off the wages, well, off the wage board, and then you've got more money to spend that comes back to you from Major League Soccer. Like Jefferson Savarino's going to be sold at some point. He's going to be sold because he's twenty-two years of age. He is young in his professional career, mm-hmm. and he's just entering now the prime of his career. You could argue he's got a future in Europe. There's no doubt about it. He's a talent. They bought him at a very, very low cost. Nobody knew who Jefferson Savarino mm-hmm. was when he came to Real Salt Lake. Agreed. And now all of a sudden there are scouts out there from pretty big name European clubs following his every move. It's when do you sell? Because he's such an, in- he's such an integral part of what RSL are doing at the minute. You can't just sell him, take all that money and pocket it. You can't. Well, no, because Major League Soccer will take some of that, um, but it's got to be reinvested. Uh, right, it has or, to be reinvested. Or, and we'll get to this in the second segment, you sell him and you say, Bofo Salcedo, it's now your time. Or somebody like that who's been playing the majority of his career off the bench. And you say, right, we think you're good enough to come in and maybe not be as influential as Jefferson Savarino was towards the latter part of his RSL career, but build something that's mm. going to be... Maybe not exactly, obviously, like Jefferson Savarin, but similar to where then you can sell him in a handful of years. And mm-hmm. like, If I'm Elliot Four, I'm going to BC Young Boys and just like studying what they're doing. Or Ajax or mm-hmm. somebody like in, in that realm where they develop players really, really, really well. They have been doing it for decades and they make a lot of money mm-hmm. when they sell. But they're also smart when they sell. They, know, they seem to know when to sell, which is it's hard. That is really difficult. Yeah, and, and that's the model. That's the model. So, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what... Uh, and if it is Elliot and Dan that uh, that, that lead uh, RSL forward, it's not going to be through uh, lack of uh, due diligence. It's not going to be through lack of uh, smarts. They know how to negotiate contracts. Um, you know, um, from what I know of Dan Egley, he's, he's, a, he's a soccer nerd, um, so he knows his ins and outs. And when you've got a scout with, that has found talent like, uh, like Andy Williams has for, for Real Salt Lake... It's not like they don't have three or four people or five, six people for each position out there across the world that they that they like. Um, it's just pulling the pulling the trigger um, again. What's the budget? What's the what's the outside of of the salary cap budget going to look like uh, this season? I think RSL is spending roughly under ten million uh, of the like season. 10. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had I think it was just up. under ten million um, across the the course of a season, which is. Pretty small, uh, and I think uh, I think Toronto. I think they, and I should have done a little bit more research, but I think Toronto is on about twenty-two million a year. Um, so you see what we're battling, uh, and I think you know, I think eighteen to twenty-two um, is what the big boys are, are spending, which is some hefty money that that those. That those RSL boys spend. spending half of that. Yeah, exactly. And to think that oh my goodness! All right, uh, there is a lot more to talk about. Bear with us for thirty seconds. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that first segment. Sorry, we uh, uh, we kind of went on and on and on, but there's a there's a lot going on, right? Sorry if we lost you there halfway through the uh, the podcast. Oh yeah, I was yammering on. Yeah, I was into it for a while. Right, shut up, music. There you go. And uh, click the right button, Tom. There you go. Right. Um. All right. I've got I've got a thought, Spenno. Oh, go for it. 
I think RSL need to change their formation. Oh. I think enough's enough. And I think Seattle, the game against Seattle, to me, was the final dagger. In the coffin for that formation, the 4-2-3-1 formation that RSL plays. I just don't think... And again, it, it all depends on what happens this off-season. But you can't... You just cannot start Sam Johnson on the bench for a do-or-die conference semi-final match. You can't do it anymore. He was brought in to score goals. And he has the highest shot-to-goal ratio in Major League Soccer. He has the highest shot-to-goal ratio. Like, he is a goal scorer by trade. But they did not utilize mm-hmm. him the way they needed to throughout the course of this season. And half the time he didn't even play. Now, now, granted, there were there were some injury concerns throughout the season as well with him. Yeah, a lot of travel as well back to Africa. So I get, and I also get, for argument's sake, why he didn't start against Seattle. I would have started him. I would have started him. But I'm not a head coach, and I'm not the one who's an interim head coach fighting for a future and a decent you know, payday as well. Um, and to be honest with you, done okay since uh, he's been in that interim role. I mean, I won't say he pulled up any trees, but I mean, he's done okay to, to steady the ship with what's happened outside of the club, as in off the field. But you are spot on. He is a goal scorer. But you have to be able to play him in a certain manner. And I've talked, we've talked about this over the past couple months, but... He, to me, Spenno, and, and I think you agree, but tell me if I'm wrong, is somebody that has a hard time creating their own shot. Uh, he he doesn't necessarily beat defenders off the dribble. It's kind of a basketball term, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can, but I mean, he thrives off service. Service is everything for him. And you look, you have a Corey Baird, who linked up brilliantly with... Um, Sam Johnson a couple of times during the season. You have a Savarino. You have a Rusnak. You have a, a Demi Krylak that can play central midfield alongside an Everton. And Everton is the one that sits back and he is able to break forward and make those late runs in the box and open up space for Sam Johnson. Albert Rusnak can open space. Corey Baird can open space. Um, Joao Plata, uh, Bofo Salcedo, Brooks Lennon, Jefferson Savarino for you're number nine wearing number 50. Right. And I think I think he was underutilized, um, and, and I, I don't think we played to his strengths throughout uh, 2019. I agree, and I, and, I, and I think it all starts in the midfield. And, and maybe RSL fans aren't going to like me saying this, but I think it starts with Carl Beckman. And, and Carl Beckman's future at RSL is uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody, I think, including Carl Beckman, really has any idea as as to what the future holds. Maybe yesterday's conversations that Kyle had with uh, Elliot Fall and, and Freddie Juarez, maybe that paved a, a path to where his future might be. But I don't think if he comes back next season in RSL colours, he can have the same role that he's had his entire career, which mm-hmm. is start. I just don't think Kyle Beckman can start for RSL next season. I don't think his body is up for the challenge. Uh, and, I th- and I'm pretty sure we saw, we saw glimpses of that throughout the course of this season. There were mm-hmm. moments this season, Spenno, 
By the way, I'm a big Carl Beckerman fan. He's always been super cool to me, uh, polite, says hello to me at the facility whenever we walk past one another. I mean, he's, he's, he's a really cool, cool dude. But he, he is 38 years of, old, of age. Like, he is no spring chicken anymore. Mm-hmm. 38 years of age, by the way, for a player that plays in the center of the park is really... I mean, it's, it's ancient. Yeah. It doesn't happen. So it, it, does, just, it doesn't happen. And, and it's all well and good being sentimental. When he played as the bottom, uh, the number six, in a diamond under Jason Christ in his prime, there was nobody better in the league. Absolutely nobody better at breaking up play and getting it to, to your ball players. There really wasn't. But age catches up with you. And I, I am not against Kyle Beckerman still being at the club in, t- in 2020. I, you're I right. agree. You're, you're right. There's, there's a different role for him. The he has to is, come off the bench. The thing is, I mean, he's an immaculate trainer. That's what everybody says. Absolutely immaculate. I mean, the standard that he sets, it's the reason why he's been a captain for 12 years now at so, Real Salt Lake. So, so Danny told me just a couple of weeks ago that he, to this day, is still the best trainer RSL 100%. has. Like he looks like the best player on the pitch, hundred percent on the training pitch. And training pitch is different than than you know going over the white line for sure. for ninety minutes in a game. But the standard that he sets, he's he's an example, and that's why I'm not against Kyle Beckerman still being at the club. Hundred percent not. I I actually, I'm not ready for him to leave as an RSL fan. Because I think that what he his influence off the pitch has become even more valuable than what it is on the pitch. Well, it's priceless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, the leadership and experience that he brings to the table is yeah. priceless. So I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not opposed to Carl Beckerman coming back for another year. He just cannot start for me. He can't do it because as the season went on, he just started turning the ball over too frequently. His legs clearly are not the same. Uh, he's a much slower football player. He's a hard time tracking back and, quite frankly, has a hard time catching faster, younger centre-attacking midfielders than he once did. So, But that's gonna, I think that's going to come down to Carl Beckman, truthfully, uh, because I'm sure the club feels the same way. Um, I know the club uh, wants him to stick around, but I also think that the powers that be at Real Salt Lake are also starting to understand that he's not, a starting centre midfielder in Major League Soccer. And so the conversation's going to eventually take place between him and the Powers. And, and hopefully the, the, the conclusion following that meeting is, look, Carl, we love you, we appreciate you, we love you to bits, to be frank, but, but, but you can't start for us anymore because you're just not the same player you once were. Do you mind coming off the bench and, and getting 30-odd minutes here and there? But being more of... Uh, a leader off the off the field than on the field, and that it's going to come down to him. He's going to either say yes, I'm all about it, I agree with you, I don't think I'm up for the challenge of starting, um, or he's going to be super prideful, uh, which most of these players are, and say no, I think I'm still good enough, um, and he's and he's and he's going to leave the club and and go try play elsewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and I just hope that when he if that does come. To fruition, he ends up leaving. Uh, RSL handles things much better than they did with, than uh, than the maestro himself, Javier Morales, because that was an ugly departure. Uh, yeah, for everybody it was, involved. It was kind of sad. Yeah. yeah, it was sad. So we we don't want that. But um, it'll be it'll be fascinating. I think if Kyle does agree to stand on the bench, then everything changes. And I, but I also think, well, if Kyle starts off the bench, maybe you don't need to change the formation. 
because you just play Damir next to Everton, which and then Damir's out of position, but he can. But he doesn't need to sit as much because you have Everton Louise, who yes. will be who will sit. You don't need more than two people to sit. No, you don't. Particularly at home, right? Particularly at home. So then you have Demir and Everton playing alongside each other. Albert's in front of them, centre-attacking midfielder. Sam Johnson's starting at striker. And then Jefferson Savarino's going to play on one side of the field uh, and probably Corey Baird on the other. Yep. By the way, it sounds like... Sounds like. We don't have any confirmation. It just sounds like Bofo Salcedo's time at RSL's... Yeah, uh, if you follow him on Instagram, there's there's been a, a couple of hints here and there over the last uh, week or so. Um since uh, since uh, RSL's exit from the the playoffs, but um, you know I, I don't know I, I don't know if it's playing and messing around with your buddies, um, trying to send a message to the club. I've got no idea. I don't know, I don't know what goes on in uh, in Bofo's head, but um, in my opinion, that would be that would be a shame for RSL to lose Bofo Salcedo. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of of losing uh, quality young players. Um, they're not, not going to get that much for him. Well, I believe his contract is. It's like a hundred. Well, his contract's up at the end of the season, so I don't think you're gonna you won't be getting any money. You just get the hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen right. off off your wages right. uh, and open up for for somebody else. Corey Baird could do with a, a price hike or, or, or a pay raise, right. uh, and, and you can uh, move some of that money over over to him. Um, you know, Baird's a, only on seventy thousand. Yeah, according so. to this website, and you never quite know if it's real. It's not like the NBA where you can track all this down. Yeah, I mean, you look on. I mean, you can go to the the players union um, uh, website as well, but you still it it's pretty accurate. Like Aaron Herrera's on eighty six thousand. I mean, so there's a couple of guys there. Can that, we bump him a bit and keep yeah, him round, exactly. please? Exactly. Again, I mean these these guys. According to you know, some of it is transfer market. Some of it is um, spot track. Spot track. Probably don't have a hundred percent of the information. Sure, it's it's, un, it's unlikely, but roughly. I if mean, it, if if their contracts you know are are coming to an end, you look at Aaron Herrera um, and uh, and Corey Baird, both out of contract towards the end of the season or then or end of the year. You've got a, got a. I'm sure it's already in negotiations. Like if Aaron Herrera's salary is somewhere around eighty six thousand, to try and put that into perspective, according to Spot Track's website, SpotTrack.com, and again we don't quite know how accurate it is, so take this with a grain of salt. Brooks Lennon is supposedly on two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and I'm not saying Aaron Herrera needs to go up to two thirty. I think Brooks Lennon might be overpaid, but you know, let's keep him around the club for a little bit. He's the starting right back, the future of right back for Real Salt Lake, and he's a good right back, nonetheless. Like he's talented. He's shown glimpses that he could one one day be one of the premier right backs in the league. Um, and who knows? Maybe take his football to Europe one day. I don't know. He's still very young, uh, but he certainly grew a ton this season. So um, there are a lot of decisions for the front office to make this mm-hmm. season. I think bumping Corey Baird and Aaron Herrera up into around the 150 at least mark is something that needs to happen ASAP. Like You, you can't stick around and wait for that because they're good enough and there are so many other teams out there in this league alone that would take both those players in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. That if you, if you mess around and, and dick around with, with them, they're just going to leave. <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science. No, it's not rocket science. 
not sure if I'm allowed to say dick around, but I did. I just Twice. said it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how to bleep anything on the board, right? I have to get Trevor on board. No, we'll just, we'll just publish it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I, I think that uh, you're, you're spot on. And, again, if they're good enough, it doesn't matter how old they are. Uh, these Corey Baird and um, Aaron Herrera have, have proved that uh, they are – Justin Glad proved that they are more than good enough. Bofo and, and Brooks will be looking um, – which, for a little bit more playing time, and I understand if they're if they're disgruntled because of their lack of playing time, and players just want to play. I mean, when you get a little bit older, I mean, you might want to sit around and and just get a massive paycheck. But when you're younger, you're eager, want to prove yourself, want to improve. I can understand um, if Bofo is looking for uh, greener pastures. So um, Bofo's playing time when Freddie Juarez took over dropped drastically. Yeah, and it kind of did under a little bit under Mike towards the end as well. I think. He was very, very bright for that spark. Um, there was a stretch there, yeah. maybe a quarter of the way into the season, where he was Flying. the best player on RSL's Flying. team. Yeah, if, if, if he wasn't starting, then you felt like RSL were going to struggle in, in the attack. He, he was uh, on a different level. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't either, but something clearly did. Uh, I also think that Bofo Salcedo plays a lot better when uh, Jefferson Savarino's on the pitch as well. They do combine, even they though they're on the opposite them. sides of yeah, the but field. They, but when they do combine, I mean, it's this um, it, al- almost a telepathic uh, understanding between them. Yes, which is awesome. It is fun. Uh, which leads us to our next conversation, and maybe uh, our most uh, exciting conversation yet. Uh, there are rumours out there, Gov, that our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Jason Christ, yes, may well return to the club that he was once. Uh, that he once departed from. Uh, and there were rumours that he may well take over the general manager role. There are rumours that he may well take over the head coaching vacancy. Uh, there are also rumours that he might take over both. Yeah. I understand that, it, you know, from from what I've read, what I've heard, is that it will be a dual role that he would do uh, both for, for a certain amount of time. I think long-term Jason Christ sees himself as a GM. Okay, that is really, really good to hear because when I first heard about these rumours and saw them floating away in uh, in the interweb over the social media airwaves, I immediately thought that that I that I hope Jason comes here as general manager. I, I actually don't want him to come as a head coach. He's got that legacy. He's got everything to lose, hasn't he? He does, and yeah. so uh, I I just think he's he's better suited at this point in his career as a general manager, quite frankly. Uh, now, of course, if he comes as a head coach as well, um, you know, I'm not going to throw my arms up in the air and have a fit about it necessarily, but um, does he it, does he go back to the diamond if he if he is head coach GM? Possibly. I, the thing about Jason is that he's a coach and he can uh, adapt with the players that he's got. If there isn't going to be massive, massive changes... Then I can see him sticking with with uh, the formation that we have now. Maybe a slight tweak here and there. If you go to the diamond, um, you you kind of have the players as well. Um, Don't you think the diamond's slightly outdated at this point? It can still be used, but you have to be a lot more. I mean, because you have you have multiple position, uh, multiple formations throughout a game. I mean, you see it all the time. Right. Tottenham uses a diamond, but they'll go to a four three three. They'll go to a four three four two three one. Um, I think they're one of the best in, 
I know they're not having a great season right now, Tom. Sorry to bring that up to it's you. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's all gone pear-shaped after Liverpool beat them in the uh, Champions League final, where Liverpool won their sixth and became the uh, the greatest English team in, in European football. Um, but I think Tottenham are one of the most progressive teams out there when it comes to switching and, and tweaking their formation during a game, because they have the players to do it. You have Son who can play out front, he sure. can play wide. You have Ericsson who can play inside, uh, wide, inside, you can play the top of the diamond, you can play centre and midfield. I mean, you just look at the players that they have. I mean, it, it, so Jason... Ali's talent. Yeah, he's been crap for Hot two years, cold, though. I don't know what he's gone on with. He's, I think he's believing the hype. But, I mean, Jason is progressive enough to, to be able to change, uh, particularly when he's been working with this, this uh, Olympic squad as well. The players that he's been working with, uh, making them more adaptable um, and and um, more fluid. Uh, I think that um, that he's a more rounded coach since he's left because it hasn't gone to plan. Went, worked under Manchester City when he left uh, at Real Salt Lake for a season, then came back, um, was fired for um, uh, from New York after their first season. I don't quite get that. I never will. Orlando was in a mess off the field and it didn't work out for him. And you know the, the rest is history. He's, he's now with the then uh, the twenty three squad, the Olympic squad. Um, so I think there is uh, there is a place for him here. I like to think, particularly after your 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 question to Javier Morales when he was over here, yeah. um, that potentially Jason steps up as the head coach for a season or two. You bring Javier Morales back while he gets his badges. Maybe does some work with the Monarchs. Maybe as an assistant coach. And eventually takes the reins when Jason goes upstairs. I think that would be ideal world. Rose tinted glasses on from me, Spano. Yeah. Um, but I think there is something there to, to be had when when Jason uh, decides that he does fully want to move upstairs. For those of you that missed uh, the whole Javier Morales thing, I, I asked him a pretty simple question, um, not knowing that he didn't have his certificate to uh, to to be a full time head coach in. Major League Soccer, but I said, look, there's a vacancy at RSL, which would be interesting, put your name in the hat. And he said, said, one day I know that I will be back in Salt Lake City coaching, although I don't have the certificate right now that warrants that. And I asked him, how how far out are you from getting the certificate? He said, about one year. So that would make sense if Jason takes over for a season and then 2021 or so, uh, the maestro returns uh, and takes over. The gaffer duties at Real Sant. Bearing in mind that he is at the academy at uh, Inter Miami, yes. so I mean that's that's Which, also a huge opportunity for him. So. Yes. So I'll, I'm going to ask a few questions to you. I just need yes or no answers. So we're yes. going to r- rally through a few yes. of them here. Um, do they bring in a coach for the Monarchs? Head coach for the Monarchs? No. I think uh, Hamas Nalavi um, takes over. Takes over. Okay. He's he's got their. Playoff win. They have to go down to uh, Phoenix Rising, by the way, uh, for, for the uh, the next round yep. uh, of the playoffs. They're but still, they're still playing. That's a big. That's a big, big game, by the way. Uh, does uh, do they bring in a general manager as Elliot Falls? <sighs> Tough one. Um, I'd love for Elliot and Dan Egner to to be given a shot, okay. particularly because and and sorry to to go on here. You're fine. Um, we give young players a shot. We give them minutes. We give them an opportunity to make it as a as a as a uh, professional soccer player. I think they've had enough time under Garth and Craig Weibel to understand what's going on. They've had years of experience. They might be young, but they've had years of experience. 
And I think that uh, if we're going to carry on this trend of giving young players a, t- a chance, I think we should be giving young C-level uh, um, executives uh, an opportunity to, to make their way in the game. I agree with you as well. Uh, and I'm biased because I'm a big fan of Elliot Fall. He's and, a good kid. Uh, Especially when he's drinking his uh, Corona with lime. Yes. And by the way, he doesn't order one. He orders two. He goes double fist on you. <laughs> Every single Dr. Time. Peppers. Dr. Peppers. Dirty Dr. Peppers. Uh, does RSL bring in a new head coach or is it Freddie's next year? Um, again, kind of torn. Um, I think they bring in someone. But I think they bring someone in. I think so too. I, I think when, when it comes to uh, Deloitte Hansen's kind of list of of what's important and what's not, I think right atop the list, a priority should be, now whether it is or isn't, it's a different question, but I think a priority should be to get a head coach in before they get a general manager in, if that makes any sense. I think I think they need a head coach more than they, they need a general manager. I think Elliot Four is more than capable of having success, success pardon me, uh, at the general manager spot. I don't know what the future holds for Freddie as a head coach if he takes over full-time. I'm not sold. See, I'm, I'm of the opposite opinion. I think you announce the GM and then do the coach. And if it's going to be Elliot or, or Dan Egner, whatever. Maybe you're right. You just get it done because you know that everything that they're doing right now, planning for 2020, by the way, who's staying, who's going at the end of 2019, that's happening right now. Whether they are named the GM or not, things are moving. Scouting's being done. Players' conversations with agents are happening. That's just the way it is. Yes. We're not pausing. We're not waiting for a GM to be announced. So I think you announce the GM, get it taken care of, and then you can announce your coach. If that's Freddie, great, fine. I'll back him. I'll support him for, for 2020. Short leash, so to speak. If not, then you're, you're still doing your worldwide search. And that has been going on since Mike Pecky right. left the organization. I'm just not a fan of hiring a coach and saying you're on a short leash. No. Because I, you're asking for trouble. I. You're asking for trouble. But I think you're on a short leash. And I'm not talking about short leash like Jeff Kassar, you know, three, four games into 2017 sure. season. If you're going to give Freddie done. a chance, then you're going to give him at least a season, I imagine. I'd imagine. But. You're asking for trouble. The flip side of it all is if Jason Christ is the man and. At head as coach a, or a, GM? At head coach, then does Freddie stay on? In some capacity, because, again, you're losing valuable experience. When you talk about Kyle Beckham and the way he trains and, and the influence that he is off the field is, is just as big as it is on the field, Freddy Juarez knows the academy players inside and out. The guys that are playing under him right now, Danny Acosta, who didn't get much game time, he knows Danny Acosta inside and out. He knows how to get into his head. As the head coach, would there be more respect than there was between Danny Acosta and Mike Pecky? Probably. Probably. Um been around professional players in a, in a number of different leagues um as well as head, as well as coaches i just have a hard time seeing freddie stick around if if he's not the full he's got a taste isn't he yeah and, and then they're also prideful uh-huh. and and i know i know right now freddie juarez isn't questioning whether or not he's more than capable to mm-hmm. take over he he knows that that he's good enough to take over as the manager, and if he doesn't get that job for 2020, I just don't think he sticks around. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right, but at the same time, if there's an extension there, if Jason is the one that's reaching out, I don't know. I don't know what the conversations are uh, behind 
the uh, behind closed doors. But I think you're right. I think he's got a taste. He's already had a taste of being head coach of the Monarchs, by the way. Which he failed at. Yeah, I don't think he was particularly good. Um, and you look at how well they've done. Some of it was teething problems, you know, new team, so to speak, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think he's got a taste. And he's he's proven that he can get results. He's proven that he can win in the playoffs as well. Um, wasn't always good. Wasn't always great. But he steadied the ship under difficult circumstances off the field as well. So I think there's... there's there's a you know a, a tip of the cap that has to go to Freddie Warris. I, I I don't know if it's a major league soccer job that will be available to him because he's not as fashionable right now. But maybe dropping back to the USL uh, and doing well in the USL, um, where you see De Santos up in Vancouver did did very well in the USL. Obviously had an assistant coaching job with um, uh, LAFC for their first season under uh, Bob Bradley, and then uh, goes up to Vancouver. Mess up in Vancouver, I understand that, but you know, earned his earned his spot. I think Freddie's done the same. The, these type of personalities, um, when it comes to Freddie Juarez, they have a really hard time seeing taking one step back to take two steps forward. They just don't see the world like that. They they, they want to constantly be moving mm-hmm. forward, which which is good and bad, I think. Uh, okay, will Sam Johnson be your starting striker in twenty twenty? Uh, I'd love for it to be, and if he's not, then just move him on. Get him off the wage books and bring somebody else in that you prefer. Agree. Um, Andrew Putner, David Ochoa, or somebody new in between the sticks next year? Um, my thoughts about that is um, new guy. New guy? New guy. I disagree. Da- David Ochoa is your number one for the Monarchs with a full season under his belt. Andrew Putner may be playing half a dozen games down at Monarchs to keep him fit. Spot starts in the league, maybe US Open Cup. Um, I think there's there's goalkeepers out there that will improve us. Not that Andrew Putner's done anything wrong, um, but uh, as the number one uh, and uh, as uh, David Ochoa as your backup, um, I, I don't want that. I, I think the development is down in the Monarchs. That's the why we have the Monarchs is to d- d- develop 18, 19, 20-year-olds uh, that aren't going to be playing uh, all the time. I think David Ochoa is an immaculate goalkeeper and I'd love to see him in between the sticks at RSL. I think there'll be a battle, though, between him and Putner during this uh, preseason, uh, but I'm hoping uh, Andrew Putner comes out. Uh, pardon me, David Ochoa comes out on top, uh, and then they'll need to bring somebody else in to uh, to play at the Monarchs because I imagine Putner is on the bench uh, again for most of the RSL season. We'll wait and see. Uh, lastly, the one position group, Spenno, yeah, that you would like to see be upgraded this preseason, one that we ha- haven't touched on. Um, left back. Left back with that is Danny Acosta coming back from Orlando. He's on uh, loan, by the way. Yeah, right, so. it's it's more favourable that he stays at um, the, the loan is more favourable that he stays in Orlando, as in he doesn't really get a choice. But it depends on Orlando. Got rid of their head coach again, still a mess. Uh, yeah, just a mess of a place. Um, but I think Donny Toya needs needs competition. I think Donny at, at times was was great. At other times, wasn't so hot. I think a lot of it was to do that there really wasn't competition. I mean, Aaron Herrera is your competition, but Aaron's your right back. He's your number one right back. Um, that for me, um, Brooks Lennon isn't isn't gonna. It is a backup right back. He's a he's a winger. He's not gonna he's not gonna battle you for that right back spot. And obviously, Tony Beltran was injured, so that we really had effectively just the one left back. And um, I, I think you need competition all around the field. I agree. Um... Quickly, I, I would like to see Brooks Lennon take his talents elsewhere. Uh, I, I think he's a talented player. Uh, I do, but I just don't think he has had uh, 
or I don't think he's going to get the opportunities at RSL that he wants. So for both parties involved, it's depends. Pro- depends a little bit. Sorry, cut you off. Depends a little bit on Savarino as well. Sure. If he's not here, then sure. you've got Corey Baird and Brooks Lennon fighting out for a right right uh, ring, winger slot. Right, assuming Jefferson Savarino sticks yeah. around for next season, I think Brooks Lennon goes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might sting him a little bit, but in the long run and in the long term, I think he'd probably look back on it and say that was probably a good move. Now, obviously, that all depends on where he goes and the minutes that he gets to play. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I think Donny Toya, to me, needs competition. Not to say that he's not an MLS left back uh, full-time. But uh, I think certainly competition, and uh, he had glimpses throughout the season where he was great. But he also had moments where he, I just think he turns the ball over far too frequently for my liking at uh, at that position. And um, just just his ability to dispose of the football needs to improve if he's going to be your starting left back next season. Spenner, before we get out of here, yes. we need to let the people know that uh, any time breaking news occurs throughout this off season, I imagine it will be a number of occasions. We'll be uh, quick to the trigger when it comes to jumping on these microphones and talking about it, so stick around. Uh, And it's also worth noting that despite all the turmoil that's taken place at the organization this year, it has been a success. They finished third in the West. They made it back to the conference semifinals for for a consecutive season Mm -hmm. um, when nobody was expecting them to do that. I mean, they lost their head coach mid-season. And, uh, you know, everybody, everybody was assuming that they would plummet down the Western Conference. They didn't. Uh, they stuck their heels in the turf, found a way to push forward, pick up results at home, a few on the road, and uh, and end up third in the Western Conference. Uh, and they were beaten. They were beaten single-handedly by the Seattle Sounders. They had no... They had no place winning that game. They did not deserve it. But regardless, I do think it has been a successful season. Um, and and I tip my hat uh, off to Freddy Juarez, the entire front office, and of course the players for a tremendous 2019 campaign. But the bottom line is that the fans, the front office, and the players themselves all want championships, uh, and they want legitimate championship runs throughout the course of this season. It just felt like... RSL were hopeful, but then they were never really in the hunt. With that being said, I don't know who really is in the hunt besides LAFC. If if LAFC don't win the MLS Cup, it's been a complete and utter failure for them. Uh, because they are, sing- they, they are the best team in Major League Soccer. They're the best 100%. team in Major League Soccer history, and it's not even close. Yeah. Um, so we appreciate everybody for tuning in this season, Spenno. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for spending uh, hours upon hours of your uh, your free time. Well, you know what we did talk about? What? England beat the Wallabies in the World Cup. And yeah. then beat New Zealand. Yeah. In the World Cup final against South Africa. Next yeah. Saturday. Anyway, carry on. With that being said, <laughs> I uh, uh, we say so long and goodbye. We'll be back, hopefully, sooner rather than later with breaking news. Be well.